This short code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the short code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine, the Yale of the Midwest. Dave's I'm straight. That's right. You tell them, Dave. I'm Dave Etler. With me in the studio today and live streaming on our Facebook group, the Shortcoat Student Lounge, is MD PhD student Aline Sanduk. Hey, how's it going? M2 Sarah Costello joins us today. Hello. MD PhD student Riley Bean is over there. Thanks for getting my name right. Hey. <laughs> and M2 Rick Gardner is with us as well. What's good in the hood? But if you think. If, <laughs> But if you think that's all short coats, that's where you'd be wrong. You should hang your head in, heads in shame. Because for today's topic, we've also got our admissions and enrollment coordinator, Rachel Ahern, with us. Rachel, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Dave. It is welcome back, isn't it? Yes. This is my first time, actually, no. on the podcast. I feel like I asked you or we talked about you being on the show and it just wasn't working out for some well, reason. Well, COVID hit and we kind oh, of yeah. forgot about it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I'm happy to be here. I'm glad you're here for two reasons. Number one, and we're going to get to this later in the show, Short Court listener Morgan left a, vo- left us a voicemail a few weeks ago with an admissions-related question about post-bac programs and damage control that I think you can help us with in the second half of the show. But as I said, but first, I asked you, Rachel, to put together perhaps five mistakes people make during the application to medical school that you see and what applicants could do instead of making those mistakes. And I, when, I, when I gave it to you, I said, I want you to put together the critical mistakes people make on their med school applications and how to crush them under your feet like worms. We're going to crush them today. Are we going to crush them today? We've got five good ones. Awesome. Well, tell me. Tell me, tell me about these, uh, these mistakes people are making. So the Brains and Admissions collaborated with this, and we came up with kind of like the five. This was a group effort. Yeah. Nice. And we're delivering. Nice. So these are not necessarily going to be in any particular order, just kind of like five of the most common okay. things. Like, That's fine. I don't think I don't think I need I, I think I've pretty much proven today that order is not important. <laughs> Go ahead. So the first one maybe seems kind of obvious. But it's something that we so often talk to applicants about and is kind of like the whole point of the whole application process to medical school. And so the first common mistake that we see is... Can we guess? Okay, this is fun. Can oh, we yeah. do that? Yeah. Okay. Do you, Don't do- lie. I've people okay. lie on their applications a lot, right? <laughs> don't lie. Because oh, you can verify everything. Include, yeah, right? you're right. We didn't even include that because... Okay. It's supposed to be that no-brainer. <laughs> but it's so true and something like important to remember yeah, okay. for everyone. Don't lie. So, good guess. Yeah. Can we get a hint? So... How do I give a hint without we don't need giving to, it look, away? Let's just go. Can, let's can just you go. use it in a sentence, please? <laughs> let's just go with the actual thing. How about yeah, that? Yeah. So it's very simply just not explaining why medicine. Why 
Mm -hmm. You're going through this process while you're taking the energy, the time, the money, the multiple years of working hard to get to the point of applying and not making it very clear why out of all the ways in the world that you can help people, this is what you want to do. Yeah, because you could do a lot of things to help people. So many things. The people are like, I just want to help people. Right. Right. But I mean, you can help people by being a bus driver. You could help by being, you know, the CEO of a company. You could help by you know, any number of things. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Okay. And so it's basically just demonstrating how you've done your research and how you've put yourself in front of the professional that you're trying to become and being able to articulate through an application and eventually through like an interview why medicine and how you know what you're getting into. Because so often we talk to applicants and it's like, Getting into medical school is just like step one, right? <laughs> and you get in here and you guys all know this, but you get into a program and you have to graduate medical school and then you go on to residencies and et cetera, all of that. And so it's kind of just like step one and it gives peace to the admissions committee when it's very clear that an applicant has an understanding of what the rigors, the challenges, the benefits, the rewards, the lifestyle of being a doctor is an understanding like, yeah, this is what I want to do and this is why and this is how I know Mm -hmm. that this is the path I want to pursue. But, you know, I mean, I guess it's tempting to think it may be tempting to not do this because, you know, what is admissions care? They're going to bring you into med school. They're going to take your money. We're going to take your money. You know, we don't care. That's not true at all. It's not true at all. It's not true at all because... (laughs) Like if Rachel and her admissions committee, your her admissions committee, but if Rachel and her admissions committee bring someone in to the Carver College of Medicine and it turns out that medicine is not right for them, that's a fail on the admissions committee part, not necessarily on the students part. Sure. sure. And, you know, it's very it's very clear to the admissions committee when this isn't defined, right? Or when an applicant doesn't have an understanding or could have a better understanding or maybe isn't necessarily ready right now. Yeah, so, okay, so what does it look like when somebody hasn't articulated fully the why? Yeah, so, you know, it certainly comes through in experiences, right? And so it's much less about the quantity of your experiences, but more about the quality of your experiences. And, you know, this can, no medical school application is exactly the same as another one, right? And that's kind of the beauty of the process is that everybody's got their own path and their own story and your own things that you're interested in, which makes it really cool and makes going through applications really fun. I was going to say it would be really boring for you if they were all the same. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, You know, I think it comes through these experiences where like maybe you're shadowing, maybe you are working in a clinic or a hospital, maybe you are volunteering, maybe, you know, you've done different trips abroad or you've worked in free clinics or, you know, there's all different kinds of ways to do this. But, you know, showing that you've put yourself in the environment and like I said, had conversations and witnessed what a doctor actually does and what working with patients is actually like because being a doctor sounds really cool but if you don't like working with patients and you have no experience with that it might not be the thing for you so Mm -hmm. you know that's a place where it's really obvious and can come through you know your exposure to medicine and again another place is through writing so through a personal statement through even descriptions of your activities making Mm -hmm. sure that you're like talking about how an activity 
or an experience has impacted you or what you took away from that. And we talk all the time, like personal statements should never read exactly like a resume, but they should really dive into the specific um, instances or impactful experiences that you've had that help you to know why this is what you want to do. And so answering the question, why medicine, should just be evident throughout every part of your application through writing, through personal statements, through your activities, just showing that you in general have that understanding. I am curious. So for the applicant, that's maybe more of a niche category, someone who's already in the healthcare field, say they are a PA, they are a nurse, they are in some way around doctors, but are not a doctor themselves. How important is that? Is it for that applicant to explain why medicine and why doctor, as opposed to what they currently are? Because I can imagine if you're already a nurse and or already a PA or already a multitude of other healthcare professions, those are also incredibly needed and an incredibly valuable part of our healthcare system. So how important is it for that applicant to not only respect what they're currently doing, but tell why they want to do something else? That's an awesome question. We certainly, question. you know, have applicants from all kinds of different health fields. And so um, it's really important in those situations from the committee's perspective that you're simply explaining why you want to make this change. Right. And that doesn't mean that what they're currently doing is the wrong fit. It just might not fulfill them in the way that they are looking to be fulfilled. And so really demonstrating through their writing and through different parts of the application process why they're interested in making this change so that the committee feels reassured that they will stick with it. Right. And Mm -hmm. go through the process and that this is ultimately what they want to do. They just want to understand why. Okay, so this, what you just said reminds me of something that Amy Perlman said a few episodes ago when we were talking about trying to make a decision on your specialty. And her advice, what he, she thought that many people asked the wrong question. The question that you should be asking is, what would you be unhappy that you couldn't do for the rest of your life? Mm. And this sort of, yeah. rem, what you just said sort of reminds me of that. You know, like, it is important for you to understand it is important for you to articulate that the thing that you can't do right now as whatever you are, a PA, nurse, she thought that, you know, people were asking the wrong question, not what do you want to do with your life, but what would you be unhappy if you couldn't do? And so that question is probably important in articulating why you want to be a doctor as opposed to a, an LPN or a PA or whatever. And I think that's a better question to ask, per se, because I think you could do a lot of things that make you happy. Like I say, like there's only one singular profession that would bring me fulfillment in my life, I think is a misnomer. And I think there's numerous things that could do that. It's just what is what do you want to drive for? What do you think would bring you the most fulfillment? What do you think would you be most content living your life as? As you were talking about, like people trying to pose as a thing, but not quite doing it i remember when i was in middle school band we had to fill out these forms (laughs) like writing the number of minutes we practiced every day and i thought i was so smart i'd put like 15 18 27 and i thought i thought i was gaming the system of like yeah i'm gonna make it seem like i did different numbers of minutes every day and make it more believable whereas everyone else just put 30 30 30 whatever and I thought I was gaming this. I really thought I was being the smartest person. And there's something about adults who are like, I know exactly what you're doing. And you're not <laughs> fooling anyone. So I wonder if you ever get that feeling of like, do you do you see people trying really hard to like look like the thing, but just not 
not making it. That's so interesting. And I was one of the people who did 30, 30, 30. So that is you so were funny. A and I great liar. I haven't thought about it in a long time. Yeah. Wow, that really I love that the difference between the two of you is that one of you is a shitty liar and yep. one of you is a great liar. Yeah. One of us is not in medical school. Me. So. <laughs> but does anyone know how to play the recorder? <laughs> yeah. I still learned. I'll, I'll say that. I still practiced, but... Yes, I did lie. Got it. Unfortunately. It's all good. So to your question, yeah, and I think it comes in the form of like the really cliche answers. Like I've wanted to be a doctor since the beginning of time, right? Like Mm -hmm. those types of things where it's a little bit less believable. Like you just want to back it up with evidence. There's there's also no story there, which. Okay. Yes. Excellent point. Have I have I run across one of your other potentially? Yeah, okay. well, we'll get there. Yeah, but there's not a story there, and like the cliche things don't go near as far, I guess, because they're not as believable. And that doesn't, to your point, Dave, tell the committee anything about you or how you've come to this. And that's not necessarily true for everyone. Like people have followed different career paths or come to medicine at very different points in their life, mm-hmm. whether that be in college, whether that be. 10 years into their career, there's not a right answer. And so being, you know, unique to your story really helps the committee to understand and again, feel reassured that you're all in to this. Mm-hmm. All right. Is there? I was going to say, that brings up a really good point. We have five that. more th- points to get to. I'm plugging your episodes, <laughs> Oh, okay. Go ahead then. <laughs> Please do. Um, so the episode, and I think it was like Kate that said it. She's in the room behind me. She said the things of like cliche answers and such, when you're not elaborating on those points, it actually really alienates people. And that really like stood out to me because instead of mm-hmm. saying like, oh, I want to do this my entire life, instead of opening up to that experiences and letting people learn more about you, you're actually distancing them by bringing about a cliche point that like is generalizable to anyone and everyone. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're shutting down the possibility of a story there that people can relate to. Yeah, and so oh, that was a point that she mentioned with the personal statements. Yeah. And I was like, that's awesome, and I took a lot from that. So There you go. Wow. Great point. Yeah. Really great point. Do we have a another we sure critical do. error people yeah. make Yeah, that they should squash like worms? Yes, and you know, so many of these different points are beneficial for admissions and our committees, but also beneficial for the applicant, too, and I think this point really reflects that. And this is not researching the schools that you're applying to. And this is something, you know, okay, keep going, keep going. I got, I got a thought about that. Okay, Pin it. This is something. (laughs) Don't forget it. Pin it. Pin it. Pin it, Atler. (laughs) (laughs) This is something that is, can also be very obvious and noticed by committees because when it comes to the admissions committee going through applications and reviewing applicants, we want to be, we, Carver, want to be a good fit for an applicant just as much as an applicant is a good fit for Carver. Yes. Mm -hmm. So if at any point in the application process, an applicant is asked, why are you applying to Carver? What that could be in an application that could be in an appointment or a meeting with an admissions professional. This could be in an interview. It could happen at lots of different points throughout the process. And so being able to explain and give yourself the benefit of researching the schools that you're applying to, to identify that level of fit 
is such an important thing. And again, mm-hmm. helps an admissions committee feel like, okay, so-and-so really knows what Carver's all about. And they're really excited about this, about that particular aspect or program of Carver. And they would be successful here. And they feel like in their own mind, they would be successful here. And so that is so important and good advice like we give to applicants who are applying, you know, to multiple schools that you should research who you're applying to because it's so important for that fit from their own perspective that they'll be successful, but also so helpful for committees. You're giving the admissions committee something to hang their hat on Yeah. when they when they go, hmm, I think this person might be right. If you haven't given them something to hang their hat on, they're like, well, okay, maybe we'll look at the other applicants. My thought about this, though, is what if this school or whatever school you're applying to is the only one that you can reasonably go to because of X, Y, or Z? Maybe my family is here. Maybe, you know, I have a family already established in Iowa City. I have, you know, two children and dog and all that kind of stuff, and I don't want to uproot them to go to, you know, some random school that said, you know, that was perfect for me. Does that make sense? It does. I have two, two thoughts about this. The first is that sure, everybody has a dream school or everyone has a school that makes the most sense to them, whether it's their state institution for financial reasons, reasons, whether it's their dream school that, you know, they've always thought about going to that fits them and what they want to be and all of that. And on a similar point, you know, it's advantageous to kind of cast your net a little bit when you're applying to medical schools and have a few applications out there. And at the end of the day, if this is really your dream and this is what you want to do, are you willing to go to a school that may or may not be the perfect fit for you? So it's kind of about finding that sweet spot of putting yourself out there enough to have a chance at getting into medical school and still trying to do yourself that favor of, okay, let me look into this school. Let me look into some things that I'm really excited about that I think I would like to do with this medical school and maybe some things that you're not as excited about and weighing the pros and cons of, okay, can I, would I still be happy here at the end of the day? And my second thought on this and you saying that Dave made me think of this is as far as our admissions committee, this is going to sound like rather blunt, but it doesn't go. Bring it on. We can take it. All right. It doesn't go as far with an applicant, you know, answering this question, saying like, oh, you know, I've lived in Iowa my whole life. I want to stay in Iowa. I want to come to Iowa for location reasons. That doesn't go as far with the committee because that doesn't show that the school itself is a good fit for you. And so really detailing like, oh, the learning communities are something I'm really drawn to or the distinction tracks are something I'm really drawn to. Or I really heard and learned a lot about what it's like to be a medical student through listening to the Short Coat podcast. Thank you. I, it's important, you know, we talk so much about how you should put yourself in front of the professional that you're trying to become, but this podcast, and I'm not just tooting your horn here. I really believe this. The listening to the podcast is a great way to hear from the medical student you're trying to become too. And I think that's something that's really unique about Carver and unique about this is that you have a chance to hear from medical students. And this is not something that is always easily accessible for prospective students or applicants. And so showing, to my point, showing that you actually like certain things and aspects about a school as opposed to where that school is locationally, because if this is really your dream and what you want to do, can you make that sacrifice for four years or whatever, wherever residency ends up being? But what is worth it to you? I do think this specific part of the application, which is why Carver in a greater sense is almost like if you're going for just a regular job application, 
and everyone in their right mind will recommend come with questions to ask that company. It's so much less yeah. about what question you're asking, so much more about I did the research to ask you educational questions about your company. So whether that's, oh, I saw that your company does X, Y, or Z product, I would be interested in getting involved in that. How, what does that look like? So while it's in the form of an essay, it's really important to think of it as a job interview. It's a job interview that you're just writing down instead of having a communication with people. And granted, there is the interview part at the end of it, but I think if you if you reframe it less as a, oh my gosh, I have to sit down and I have to articulate perfectly all of these things that I've learned about Carver College of Medicine and more so think of it as, oh, these are really cool things that I've noticed about this school. And instead of writing questions, write why you find those interesting. And so to reframe it is always a good idea. I think that's mm -hmm. such an awesome point. And, you know, beneficial, just like you said, Riley, in job interviews, I mean, you want to make sure the job is going to be a good fit for you too. It's the same concept. That's a great point. Mm -hmm. What's your next uh, critical error? So we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but really paying attention to, to your writing and making sure that you are being as descriptive as possible in all of those places. Mm -hmm. So often we, I'm going to credit my colleague Amy on this kind of analogy or visualization. So we often describe applying to medical school as imagining a stool, like a stool you would sit on, okay? And this stool has three legs. One leg is your academics. Picture it now, yeah. One, I'm sorry. Imagine as a stool, a stool you would sit on. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you specified Not a big pile of crap. I, I, I used to work I in a micro lab and that was the first poop. thing that jumped in my mind. Shout out to that GI clerkship. There is no way that I wasn't going to bring that up. Okay, go Fair ahead. Sorry. That's why I was said, like, you would sit on. Imagine a you, stool been, that you would sit you've on. You've been through this before. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Okay. She knows me. I know. Am I the only person whose mind didn't go to? Ah, no. Thank you, yeah, Rick. Thank you. Are. You are the only person who didn't go Give it one yeah. year. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the first leg of the stool that you sit on is your academic. So your GPA, your MCAT. The second leg of the stool is your experiences, your activities, all the things that you've done to help you know why medicine or other things that you've done along the way. The third leg of the stool is your writing. So this could be your personal statement, your secondary answers, your descriptions of your activities, letters of recommendation. So we use this analogy of a stool in the sense that all three of these legs are exactly the same length and all three of them hold the same weight. Not one thing is necessarily more important than the other because the stool has to be sound. And that's the benefit in the idea behind holistic review. So when it comes to kind of this writing leg of your stool, no one can see my air quotes right now, but <laughs> when it comes to the writing leg of your stool, you want to make sure that you are being as descriptive as possible. And we often advise to applicants that anytime throughout the application process that you have the opportunity to actually write is essentially an opportunity to share your voice mm -hmm. and to share your own words. And it's essentially a chance for the committee to hear directly from you because the admissions committee never meets you in person. They are not the individuals who interview you. And so when they actually read through your application, that's essentially in a way like your interview with the committee. And so you really want to capitalize upon those chances to share your voice and make sure that your writing is clear and concise, that you're driving home 
why this is what you want to do and what you've taken away from your experiences. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, especially in your personal statement, you know, not listing it like a resume because the committee will get to read about all of your activities later on in your application. So picking a few, yeah, picking a few specific impactful examples from your experiences and really diving deeper into those is a really helpful way to kind of think about this. And when it comes down to even those smaller instances throughout the application, like those smaller character-driven text boxes where you can describe your activities, I often tell applicants, ask yourself the question, why are you choosing to include this on your medical school application? And make sure that you're talking about ways that you've been impacted by other people. And, you know, that it's not necessarily all about you, but how are you demonstrating empathy and altruism? How are you explaining why this means something to you and what you took away from it? And just again, why are you including this on your medical school application and using that chance to share your voice to your advantage to help the committee get to know you? Also, you know, the the practical matter, the practical thing about, you know, accidentally using your application questions as a resume is that you've already done that. Mm-hmm. You're wasting space. Totally. You're wasting effort by repeating that information on your, you know, your supplemental application, mm-hmm. secondary application. Secondary, you got it. There's no real point to that right? as a practical matter. All right. I think you're really like in that scenario, you're really missing something. If you're just rehashing your resume and your CV, you have wasted a, an empower, like a very incredible opportunity and this is something that you had told me when i came to you like talking about writing dave you said this is there's very few times in your life where you have this level of control to really toot your own horn and really give someone great insight into who you are as a candidate and you know you have your grades and you have your gpa cool you're good enough to do it but what makes you like coming from a student perspective i want someone who's going to be a good classmate someone who i'm going to be able to have good times with form good memories and really help me be the best that i can be but i can help them to be the best that they can be and i think that's a really good way of showing that you can be that personable individual that's going to add to the community here whatever that is in your need I'm weird, so I bring weirdness. You know, that was definitely part of your application materials. Like, oh, like, is there a little checkbox like normal weird? Weird. (laughs) Just submit a picture of himself in a banana suit and be like, check this out. Yeah, don't you want this? We're all weird though in our own special ways, and that's a chance to sort of celebrate, not celebrate. Yeah, I even sold uniqueness. Yeah, yeah, I sold in my application like big Iowa State guy here, roll clones. I sold that in my application that I said even though i bleed cardinal and gold i will still be happy to come here and you know root for the hawkeyes because i know i'll get a good education like that was my final line quoting i'll need a citation and proper references if you use that so but like we'll have, give you credit have fun with it like i brought out humor in mine you know that's because yeah. that's the kind of style of a person i am so i think if you don't capitalize on that you're wasting a lot of opportunity to, to essentially bring your application up to that next level okay but let's play devil's advocate on that advice because my thought about that was like i would enjoy that i would enjoy reading an application that was funny um i'm not saying i'm writing a comedy skit here but i'm like if i'm going to talk about something i want to like that's a hint of my personality i'm someone who's more or less pretty lighthearted, all things considered like I throw in that one piece of humor that sh- that's hey he he isn't completely serious right. all the time. I'm just basically yeah. you know thinking about the lawyers here, the <laughs> the shortcut podcast lawyers, the the staff, <laughs> the staff of our legal department who might be like he said to be funny. That's not how that works. Okay, 
Thank you. Well, I, you address I my. You address what you're saying. Yes. If yeah, you, in, in every good way, short and to the sweet point. Yes. Got it. I have one more snippet to add based on your point, Rick, with adding humor. Everything is subjective to your reader, right? Toe the line. Do what's still appropriate and professional, but you're allowed to like bring elements of your personality into your application if you feel like it applies. Great. Listeners, if you ask us a question, it means that I don't have to make something up to talk about on the show. And the show becomes what you want it to be. So send your questions to the shortcodes at gmail.com or leave a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. All right. that I think we're on number three. Is there a we're num- number four? We're, on, we're already on number four? Time's flying. Oh, my God. Okay. What's the final one then? Oh, wait. This is number four. <laughs> this is number four. <laughs> we have two left. <laughs> I know. He's not in school for math. I do. Yeah, know. Do we, do we have a shortcut mathematician that. for us? Counting. <laughs> yes. Let's refer this. <laughs> Let's refer to this to the statistician department, statistics department. So Holy crap! Department. Okay. I bring my first grader in. Today. <laughs> <laughs> I love a joke. That's funny. All right, number four. Yeah, number four is really, you know, kind of along the lines of experiences, but just general education and understanding as you prepare to apply to medical school around focused around being cognizant of putting yourself in front of different populations of people and educating yourself on different issues that different populations face when it comes to the realm of healthcare, whether it is marginalized populations, whether it is access to healthcare, whether it is different social determinants of health. We all know that there's different topics and issues that are relevant in healthcare all the time, whether it's cost or rising costs or access or different biases. And so Educating yourself or at least having an awareness of different populations and different issues in healthcare can really add unique perspective, but also depth to your application and can further just drive home all of the points that we've talked about so far and, you know, can really benefit you in broadening your scope and your understanding of what healthcare, working in healthcare is like issues that you can face and people that you will have to advocate for as a physician and having an understanding of that in broadening your knowledge and understanding why this is what you want to do. So there's lots of different ways that this can be done. There is not a right or wrong answer for ways to achieve this, but at least having an education and an awareness and being able to articulate that at some point in the application process is always just a great thing generally in life, but also a good thing when you're preparing to apply to medical school too. And I just ran across this question on Ryan Gray's pre-med forum this morning is it's, you know, the, the question often comes up like, am I too old to go to med school? Am I too, you know, I already have, I've, 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 I, is it the question I saw this morning was, is it okay to have been a teacher before you go to med school? And I'm like, yes. Teaching is integral to medical school yes not only is it integral to med school but it also is you have a depth of experience that your average 22 year old graduating directly from college does not have 100 percent um that's you know so if you're like 30 40 50 years old and you've decided to go to med school 
you're kind of, in a way, you're kind of a, 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 a unicorn sometimes for schools. As long as you can articulate the whys, you know, you're, th- that's good. That's not a bad thing at all. Yeah, same. So I'm in that situation. I'm 34 and I had a whole career before I applied to medical school. And I was a little bit scared of applying and worried about like, you know, being the odd one out or whatever. But I, I now that I've spent the first year in school, like I, I almost feel like I, I do have a little bit of an advantage <laughs> over some of the the people who, who have come straight out of undergraduate. So I would just say like if you are later in life and, and not sure whether or not to apply, like just if it's something you really want to do, just go for it. Yeah. And to follow that up with the idea of even just gap years, I think for me, I took a gap year and that was probably the most formative part of my life thus far. I mean, obviously medical school is its own beast, but being able to work in healthcare, experience what that's like, be a part of that team. But I'm just seeing so many different kinds of people that I would have had no reason to see them whatsoever if it weren't for my profession that I was in and I was attacking a hospital. So yeah, being able to see those things and just gain so much experience in a realm that I had never had any involvement in before was huge. And I mean, I look at our class, um, the class of 2024, our average age is 23. So gap years are becoming more Mm -hmm. prominent. And I think it's just because people see the value in changing, you know, gaining life experience in new and different unique ways well and it's cool because our class has all that all those different experiences to to learn from each other that's what that's what i yeah i've really enjoyed about our our class it's that diversity and that yeah there's people with all those different backgrounds that can we can learn from each other at school yeah, I, I, I want to second that completely. I, I've said this at least one or once or twice before. Our class just comes with so much unique experience, which all the interactions you have with those individuals allow you to grow. Like they're bringing something to the table that I probably don't have and being able to become involved in the cultures and the experiences and just these immense, plentiful and broad backgrounds is just it's so damn cool and it's just it it makes me realize how fortunate i am to be in this in you know in this environment and i think that's part of like the application side of things you want to just show that you have those experiences you're going to be both beneficial to your um, new environment that you're hoping to be in but also that you can gain from that as well I would even give one piece of advice for those kind of early in their college career. And anyone can like shoot me down if this is horrible advice. But if say you're starting off your freshman year of college and you're thinking you want to do pre-med, I think there's so much value to if you're questioning pre-med or something else, say um, in my example, it was engineering, do the engineering internship, even if it's not in medicine, because For me, that experience of doing two summers, not at all in medicine, in an engineering internship, showed me so much more about what I didn't want to do. And I was able to talk about it so much that I had this wide breadth of experience that showed me what I didn't like, what I liked. I got to meet new people. I got to interact with people. So it's not just the the volunteering at the hospital or the doing the typical medical experiences that are valuable on your application. If you're questioning it, try something else because you can still talk about that and it will tell you just as much about why medicine as say the scribing in your local hospital. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. That is perfect mm -hmm. advice and everyone needs to hear that. That's a good, that's good advice too. If you're like, if you've applied and you haven't got in the first time, like, 
go go and do something different go and get some experience doing something else and i mean I hope that's good advice. I don't, it is. It certainly is. Um, yeah. I don't yeah, think don't it can hurt, and I think it would yeah. be fantastic yeah. to, to, yeah. to like, be don't... able to prove that, yeah, I went and did something else for a while. Mm-hmm. It was fine. Yeah. It's not medicine. F- figuring out what you don't want to do is right. also good insight. That's a reasonable outcome. Because you know, how else are you supposed to know? Right. How else? And you know what? Yeah. I Speaking as somebody who had no purpose when I was younger, you know, like, I, I mean, I, I sort of have always stumbled into things and I think this job is no different right I didn't set out to become work in the writing and humanities program I needed a paycheck right Mm -hmm. I mean it worked out great and I found my place so I'm lucky but so many of us just sort of stumble through lives without a stumble through our lives without you know purpose or planning or anything like that and if you can show that you were purposeful in exploring your options and your ideas and your thoughts about what you could be and it came back to medicine Perfect. Fantastic. Perfect. Yep. Okay. There is no cookie cutter method for getting into medical school. Yep. Like there are some common themes. Like what I'm getting from you and something Amy, I think, has talked about a lot is yeah. authenticity. Absolutely. You know, always be yourself. Find meaning in the things that you're talking about. And uh, so like I hear what you're saying. There's there's more than one path to the top of the mountain, but there are some, there are every path has certain features that are in common. So that's nice to hear, but but you're giving people a lot of freedom to f- do it the way that makes the most sense to them. Absolutely, which is cool. and it's not even necessarily the experience that matters. I'm going to link this back um, to something that was said earlier. It's what can you gain from it? What can you talk about? So working in yeah. retail, that's not a medical career, but that's a very people oriented profession, and there's a lot that can I mean, be gained from that. Medicine is a customer service industry. It is. It Say really louder. Is. <laughs> not it's a hot a, take. It's a customer <laughs> service, and you are selling to your patients a little bit, right? I mean, not you know, not strictly, but yeah, absolutely. Retail experience helps a lot in healthcare. I absolutely, think. right? Yeah. And so going into that idea of mental health, which I don't know if that's your fifth point, but I know we might have wanted to talk about that at some point. It's like, do you want to talk about it? And that's a very subjective thing. you got to figure that out. But the big thing is you had that issue. Like I talked about my personal mental health issues, but I, I talked about what did I gain from them and how did it help me and how do I think I'm better equipped for the future? And your experiences are just the same, whether it's mental health or working a job or it's how do you talk about it? Yeah. And what it meant for you. How have you exhibited growth as a human being, as an individual? And how are you going to use that as a tool to better people's lives? Mm-hmm. Let's get to number five. Number five kind of just ties, you know, so many of the things that you guys mentioned in, in your own paths and through our conversation so far, all kind of just comes back to applying when you're ready. Mm-hmm. That's the fifth point is apply when you're ready. There is no particular timeline just to drive all of this home. There's not a timeline that is going to be the right answer. There's no rush. There's no... Yes, I can attest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. And there's no there's no rush. And you don't want to waste the time and the money and the energy to throw out an application just to throw out an application. You need to be intentional about it. You need yeah. to figure it out and figure out what you want to do and do some things that don't make you happy and do some exploration to know that this is what you want to do. And if that involves taking a gap year, if that involves taking two gap years, if that involves going through an entirely different career, then so be it. If that helps you figure out, to your point, Dave, where your place in the world is. And 
trust me that it it is noticed by admissions committees when applicants take that time because it's so much more evident in their application through their explanations and through the way that you are able to exhibit growth, to exhibit understanding, lessons learned, and just feel even more sound in your decision that this is what you want to do. So not feeling like you have to apply to medical school right now, right now during your under you know, right. your junior year, you're going to be a senior and maybe you've just graduated and maybe you don't feel like you have all of the experiences that, that you need, but I'm just going to apply anyway. Stop and think about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure Let's go back to the stool that you sit on. That you <laughs> not the stool you expel. Yeah, after going to Chipotle, it makes the wrong decision. Yeah. Yeah. You want to make sure the snort. Oh my yes. god, Lord! It is not okay. All right. Um, making sure that you are you are strengthening all three of the legs of this stool and yeah. putting forth the strongest application that you can, because that's going to give you the best shot going forward and knowing that as we've said and beating a dead horse with this but like there's no right answer for getting into medical school and so having an awareness of that and not putting too much pressure on yourself to apply when you've been told or when like a traditional timeline is because there's not a traditional timeline yeah that's that's a that has become I think as we've said many times today and demonstrated many times today, that has become a non-issue. It's not important when you apply. It's important only in the sense that you're applying at the right time. And one of the things I often hear is, and, and this is a practical issue that, that, I th- that I think is probably not important, is, well, if I don't apply now, I'm going to make less money over my lifetime because I will have waited and I will have less time to accumulate experience and less time to get to the point in my career when, when I can make a shit ton of money. Do you mean like losing earning potential? Yes. That is the better way to have put that. Thank you, Rick. But the point is like medicine is such a high pressure occupation in a, a lot of times that that is really not the reason to go into medicine is for money. That is not the reason to worry about that is not the thing to worry about when you're thinking about medicine. Take it off the table. There's so many more reasons. There's so many more reason, things to consider than than money. So stop it. Well, and let us consider to your point, Dave. Let us. If you apply before you're ready and you don't get in, you are then taking more time, more money to apply all over again to potentially retake the MCAT, which for money and time reasons is not fun Mm -hmm. you are still out something if you don't prepare adequately and god forbid Mm -hmm. you find out that medicine isn't right for you in your fourth year because at that point you've spent three hundred thousand dollars talk about sunk costs that's a bad time to figure that out or realize that or or allow yourself to admit that to yourself Uh, yeah and to like the point of like what you were saying, Dave, about like, say you want to do medicine and I can appreciate like from a finance perspective, like, yeah, you'll lose a year. But what happens if you don't equip yourself with the skills to better withstand the, the hellhole that is medical training and medical yeah. profession? And then you become burned out and you quit. 
and you lose 10 years, 15 years of earning potential. Yeah. I mean, it's a long game. You have to plan for it. Yeah. Yeah. You're jumping off a cliff. Make sure you get your buoys in place. <laughs> I would your even buoys get buoys in your life. Your, so your, your floaties. boat. <laughs> your <laughs> floaties on. <laughs> The life jacket on. Yeah, exactly. God, exactly. the analogies are fantastic today. Keep them coming, <laughs> yeah. guys. All day. Yeah. Um, I would even give a greater piece of advice that is not just for medicine, but for anyone in undergrad. And I wish that I had really let this sink in when I was in undergrad, which is be happy with where you're at now. I spent so much of my time thinking, where am I going to be five years? Where am I going to be in 10 years? And it took me until getting into an MSTP program, which is a long game to realize if I sit here thinking, oh, I can't wait till I graduate. I can't wait till I go to residency. I can't wait till I'm an attending. If I sit here for the next 10, 15 years of my life thinking that I'm going to be miserable. So for those in undergrad thinking and becoming happy with the spot which you're at, which is if you're a freshman, be happy meeting new people. If you're a sophomore, be happy discovering what you want to do in life. Don't just always think I will be happy when I'm in medical school. I will be happy when I graduate. And I think the sooner you learn that and the sooner you intentionally work your brain to be in the moment, the better you will be as a human and the more prepared you will be for medicine. And so don't think, oh, I have to take one or two years off. I'm going to be X amount of years old once I graduate from medical school. At the end of the day, if you're happy as a 40-year-old graduating from medical school, that speaks way more volumes than unhappy as a 26-year-old graduating from medical school. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Yeah, what what you're talking about is, I think, practicing mindfulness. And as probably the oldest, or one of the oldest people in this room. (laughs) Not by the way, but yes. How dare you, Sarah Costello? I'm so sorry. But uh, she's being respectful to the elder in the room. Let me put that in the way that you wanted it. How dare! You <laughs> young whippersnapper. <laughs> but, oh my god. Well, gosh. that's the, I think that's the one thing that that I've learned that's like the key to happiness in medical school is being able to be mindful and just find that 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 happiness in that moment. So I think what you're saying is a really important thing to to be able to figure out. Be oh. where your feet are. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And let us remember also that comparison is the thief of joy. Oof, yeah. and we're gonna put that on a life. t-shirt well we talk about um, that Sarah, a lot in the program for sure yeah, um, sorry, no i was just gonna say because it was a combination of the points that you guys made i was talking to uh, i think it was the oldest guy in our class and he we were, it was in february when things were like all covid and crappy and that should be a t-shirt it it feels untimely now but who knows <laughs> the numbers are going up so yes but yeah it's you you continue to work so hard especially with medicine as a pathway that's so long and so intense and you're like i just got to do this next thing and just keep grinding and grinding and grinding and and you really just need to take some time however frequent that may be take time to stop and realize you are either exactly where you want to be or exactly in the place of working to get where you want to be and just realize like right now i'm grinding right now it's so hard in school but it's like holy crap i'm in medical school like i died for five years to get to this place and like be appreciative and just be thankful and you know wellness mm-hmm. be well <laughs> be well I, I think except don't mention the wellness passport because for some reason that's a trigger for a lot of people I don't yeah know. yeah yeah let's just in fact we'll, yeah. we'll delete that from the show all right um i do at wanna, this point our listeners are getting triggered by the they don't even know what the wellness have, passport is but just right. hearing us complain about it they get sad
Shortcoats, if you're enjoying our conversation today, I'd be grateful if you'd let people know by posting a story on Instagram or Facebook or tweeting about us. And don't forget to tag us in your post. Thank you. All right. I want to get to Morgan's question. Morgan's been waiting for Morgan's a been long waiting patiently. Time. She's been actually waiting for weeks. And Morgan, I want to apologize. It's not that I didn't want to answer your question. It's that I wanted to wait until Rachel could be here. And when I asked Rachel to be on the show, she was like, no, Dave, not for weeks can I be on the show. Morgan, so, that's not true. All right. So let's hear from Morgan. This is a listener who wrote in with a question about post-back programs and other things. Let's hear from Morgan. Shortcoat podcast. Uh, my name is Morgan. I actually called you guys and left a voicemail way back when that you answered. So thanks for that about Ivy League med schools. But you're I'm very welcome. Again, I've been listening to the podcast kind of out of order, so I just listened to the tactical retreat one. And also, I just want to shout out to all of you guys as a person of color. I think you guys did really well highlighting some of the issues of like as far as like the systemic challenges that are prevalent at birth for people of color. I myself have experienced a lot of that. So it was really, really not affirmative, but anyways, I don't want this message to be too long. I have a specific question about doing postbacs after undergraduate to, I guess, get your application for med school ready. Like, do you guys have any experiences that you could share, particularly AJ? He mentioned on that podcast that he spent a lot of time trying to, I guess, fix things, spent a lot of years trying to fix things before getting into medical school. So could you guys dive deeper into that, how you would do some damage control before medical school? I'm just uh, really curious, and I don't think it's talked about a lot. So thank you. You guys are awesome, and I can't wait to hear about it. Bye. Thank you, Morgan. Yeah, AJ couldn't be here with us today. I mean, you know, I, I... I love it when things work out, but they rarely work out timing wise for med students. They're they're just doing their their lives. I, I do have some experience with that. That's so. excellent. I'm so glad. <laughs> wants to hear, hear my experience. We do. Um, that is, in fact, why you're here, Sarah. <laughs> no, you're supposed to be here and not say anything yeah. like Kate and her meeting. Yes. You have to be silent. Be silent. So I don't know if you guys know, I I got my undergraduate degree in the UK many many years ago and then I decided that I wanted to go to medical school my the way they 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 do undergrad in the UK is is a bit different it's very specific to the subject you want to study so mine yes. was biomedical you, science you get tracked early in 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 a lot of ways in yes. uh, in, yeah. in Europe but UK for sure yeah. and in fact we talked about that on the show a while back with our listener who called in, who, I don't know why I'm bringing this up now, because because I can't remember. Sanim, I think was her name. Anyway, we talked about the UK system a little yeah, bit in that yeah. episode. I think she, she was from London, too. She was from London, yeah. So UCL's in London. It's another school. I don't think it's the same one she was from. But so, so I didn't have a lot of the prereqs. I didn't, I had to do English. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Well, then, All right. Like English. Did you just show up and show your passport? No, I didn't have to do like English language, like like writing. Yes. Although sure. although most of the the undergrad like. All of our tests were an essay form. Like we had to do a lot of writing, but we didn't have any formal like classes in writing. Sure. So that was one I had to do. I did that through the community college, and then the other thing that that was a struggle was figuring out where my like science classes lined up because you've got to have very specific like labs and so for like chemistry my chemistry classes were different so that's where I 
actually reached out a lot to admissions. I, I mainly only reached out to Iowa because that's where I wanted to go. So I kind of used them as a benchmark and I thought if I've got enough to get into, if I've got it right to get into Iowa, I still applied to a few other schools, but I knew that I had every all my ducks in a row for Iowa. So I ended up doing, I ended up signing up as a non-degree student. I didn't do a, a formal post back, but I signed up as a non-degree and I did a couple of classes each semester while I was still working full time and got those prereqs that way the other thing to think about too if you're if you are someone from outside of the U.S. wanting to apply to medical school in the U.S. is a lot of schools um, want a certain amount of credits from a U.S. school so that's you sort of have to look at every there's not like a blanket rule every school has different um different guidelines on what they'll accept I can't remember what I was if they needed some some of them don't need any U.S. credits. Some of them need them all. Some of them need all the prereqs to be US, U.S. I know right. that's why a lot of um, in, international people do end up doing postgrads because they can get all their prereqs then yeah. in the U.S. credits. I think, you know, the, the way you did it, i.e. enrolling as, not, as a non-degree student or going to community college, that's definitely one way to do it. And then there's the and then there was the post-bac programs. And the one thing I want to say about post-bac programs that I've learned over the years is that they can be expensive. They're they're sometimes a little sketchy, I think. They, and they definitely exploit a population of students that are kind of desperate in a bad spot. And yeah, they're like, well, just give us $60,000 and we'll we'll make all these problems go away. And, and you, you know? don't have to. I mean, there are good postback program. Just be careful. Do your research. Make sure you understand what you're getting into and um, and ask around there's about m- them. Yeah, there's more than one way to address a deficiency, I think in your record and i'm sure you can talk much more about that than i can but i the impression i get is postbacks have a big draw for students who feel like they didn't do so well in like the basic sciences and they are looking for an opportunity to you know prove that they can handle the scientific course load does that sound about right yes so that is we see postback or smp which is specialized master's programs come through often the benefit of them is that completing a post-bac program can at times help an applicant who may not be eligible for a secondary application with their undergraduate GPA to then become eligible with that additional coursework. It is beneficial in the sense that it helps the admissions committee have additional context academically about an applicant. And again, help them to be reaffirmed that you would be okay in a medical school curriculum or you've had more exposure to the hard sciences. And so if an applicant has a um, lower undergraduate GPA or maybe has been away from school for a while or did not complete an undergraduate degree in the hard sciences or do any of the prerequisite coursework at that time, doing a master's program or a post-bac program in the sciences can help you be re-exposed to that material, which and then can help you just be refreshed. I don't know if you're studying for the MCAT or whatever it is, but it just helps the committee to understand where you're at currently. And that's something that our committee values and looks at is, yes, your overall academic portfolio, but also the trend in your GPA, the trend in your academics, how you have done most recently, which would hopefully reflect how you would perform then in a medical school program. So it is one way to 
quote-unquote damage control to simply give the committee more context. Do you have to be absolutely perfect in your GPA? No. Do you have to have a 4.0? No. Do you have to demonstrate that you would be okay in a medical school curriculum and that you, you know, have grades that would help you to be successful? Yes. It's all finding a balance. And if you feel like you have a deficiency in one part of your application, you just want to make sure that you have worked to make every other part of your application as strong as you possibly can. So I I think you addressed this, but I'm not sure. So we can cut this out. But the way Nick, the, the, the way that Sarah did it versus the post-bac program, the reason you would choose one over the other is what? I don't know that you would necessarily choose one over oh. the other. I think, Sarah, in your situation, so you, just to clarify, did the prerequisite courses as a non-degree-seeking student. Yeah, just the ones that I was missing. And not a post-bac program. Mm-mm. So in your situation, that is something that we see. So let's say someone did not have intention of going to medicine and then later on decide that you want to pursue medicine. You need to have the prerequisite courses done. You do not have to pursue a post-bac program to do that. You can apply as a non-degree seeking student. You can, for Carver anyway, you can take community college courses. We do accept those, but you can apply most commonly as a non-degree seeking student to get those prerequisite courses done so you do not always have to have a postback and as always reach out to your schools that you're applying to make sure that a they want to talk to you about this that's an important data point for you yeah and also and also they'll tell you what they're what they're expecting from you they want you to have that information so definitely reach out to them there are other kinds of damage and we've talked so we've talked about you know low mcat score Mm, okay We've ta- I think we've talked about that, right? There are other ones, though. Brush with the law, for instance. How's that? How, is there a way to do damage control about that? I mean, I, yeah. I assume it's it's dependent on the, the reason. You know, if you committed murder. Public drunkenness, uh, stealing a bike is different than, yeah, than, than murder. murder. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. So in the very, very beginning of our conversation, Aline, you guessed lying to oh. be one of the most common mistakes. I'm going to circle back to that in that if you've had any brush with the law or minor incidents that have happened, don't hide it. We're not talking about tickets here. We're not talking about, you know. You don't need to report your speeding ticket. Right, right. I have many speeding tickets. Like, okay, so I... I have a few. Not recently, but, you know, I've had them. And so, you know, just be honest and help the committee understand and I think we've we've really touched on this a lot throughout our conversation and you know Rick you mentioned this like talk about what you've learned from that how your life has changed how you have made intentional change and created direction in your life from that incident on this would go in the this would probably go in the box in the in the application that was like is there anything else you want to tell us yeah yeah. Yeah. Well, you and th- there's multiple po- there's two different parts that come to mind throughout the application process where you have the opportunity to disclose these things. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, we will find out on your background check. So it's better just to address it head on. And the se- the second it becomes shady is when you try to hide it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Like, this as long is the as thing I don't front. get about this, because if I try to hide something from somebody, I feel like shit for days. Yeah. Not because because well, yeah. basically because I'm afraid like I'm going to get found out. Yeah. Um, number one. Why would I put myself through that? I would rather just admit up front. Like, <laughs> if only for hey, your sanity. I screwed up. Yeah. I screwed up real bad. I'm sorry. I, I still love me. Thank you. And this is how I've moved on. 
Yes. This is how I've... This is how I learned. This is what I learned from this experience. Yeah. This is how I plan to not do this again. Things happen. You do not have to be perfect, but just be honest. Whatever you do, just be honest. Any other damage that you... Oh, I'm sorry. I just want to ask a follow-up question that I feel like people might be interested in hearing about. So things like, and I don't know how these all work, like expunging and stuff, like clearing of your record based on like community service and stuff. Can you speak more of that? Because I feel like some people might be in a situation where like, well, I've screwed the pooch. I can't do this anymore, but there might be ways you can get around it. Are you able to speak about that? That's something you can like. You know, I are think you like a lawyer? Expunging. Yeah. Are you a judge? No, no. I, I heard like expunging. Like you can get it cleared. Like should they then still report it? Because I mean, I, oh. obviously, if it's not on your legal record, I'm not. Don't want to say if it's yeah, you know, it yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, Fair you know, where, where do you come from that point of view? What can you maybe contribute? <laughs> All I have to say about that is like, whatever's on your record, just follow that, right? And you know, if you tell the committee. If you decide to disclose it and you disclose that it was expunged, fantastic. That's not a big deal. Just go with your gut. And if you feel like you should say something, say something. It's almost never a negative thing to say something because honesty is the best policy. And so, you know, it's if if there's a question about it, if a question comes up on your background check, we'll reach out. We just want to hear what the heck happened. And we take that very case by case but i understand to your point that it can get sticky but just just be honest and if if your gut's telling you i should say something then always say something because sometimes that's better last thing to say about that is if you do have something on your record that was expunged run a background check on yourself oh yeah make sure it's make sure it really was because you know mistakes happen Bureaucracies you fail. A copy of your background check, at least. Uh, that's how I found out. Oh, that, oh, that, oh! Is that right? Yes. Is that, is that right? Yeah, that's how I found out. You found out about Iowa. I got a charge for zero to four miles per hour over the speeding limit. Yeah. <laughs> Bad boy over here. Oh wow. Any any other damage control things that you've run across over the years? When it comes to disclosing mental health issues or things that you are maybe of more personal nature, a sensitive topic. At the end of the day, as an applicant, disclose whatever you are comfortable with. If it's something that you do not feel like is a relevant part of your application to medical school, you are not in any way obligated to include it. If it's something that's important to you and something that you want to discuss and address, more power to you. That is not something that is discriminated against. That is not something that is faulted or looked down upon from the eyes of the committee if that helps to paint the picture of who you are and how you've come to the point that you're at great so it is up to your personal discretion how you choose to address that if you choose to address that it is not something of negative connotation our committee is compiled of physicians who understand that mental health is real it's important and it matters and so it's entirely up to you for what you feel like is important and again that's another thing like go with your gut on what what you want to do and what you're most comfortable with at the end of the day perfect well we've been talking for a long time and i've really enjoyed this conversation thank you rachel for uh, coming to visit with us today it's been really nice having you on the show for the first time you better believe you'll be on the show again dave i would love to come back 
Mm. Anytime you want. Okay. Thanks for having me. Awesome. He'll make you regret that. I know. <laughs> He's going to take you <laughs> up says, on it. Says Aline, who's on her like 167 millionth episode. Um, All right. You sell it well. You sell it well. Yeah. <laughs> Aline, Sarah, Rick, Riley, thank you for being on the show with me today. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, and Rachel. We, and what kind of brain eating amoeba would I be if I didn't thank you short coats for making us a part of your week if you're new here and you like what you heard today follow the show wherever fine podcasts are available our editors are AJ Chowdhury and Eric Bozart our marketing coordinator is Alex Belzer the show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine student government and ongoing support from the writing and humanities program our music is by Dr. Vox and Catmosphere I'm Dave Etler saying don't let the bastards get you down talk to you in one week Hi, short coats. Look, life in medical education, life in America, life in the world is often difficult. And I often wish I could help. All I have is this podcast, but in my wildest dreams, you have the support you need to lead a life of your choosing. You deserve to be happy, healthy, and successful in whatever ways you define those words. So if you need support because you've experienced racism, discrimination, harassment, mental health crises, I want you to be able to get the help that you need. And so I'm going to put some links in the show notes to some resources that you can use. But the bottom line is that for what it's worth, I see you. I know you're out there. I wish I could do more. Maybe I can in ways that I don't understand yet or know about. But I see you and I'm glad you're here and other people are too.